right, lots of kids. Good to see all you guys. Everybody looks great. Well, since we've watched the video about the story, we're going to dive right into the Scripture, and we're going to read that. So let's listen as we hear God's Word in Genesis chapter 29, verses 15 through 30. This is God's Word. Laban said to him, Just because you're a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, well, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to lie with her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob, and Jacob lay with her. And Laban gave her servant girl Zilpah to his daughter as her maidservant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, It is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also, in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant girl Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maidservant. And Jacob lay with Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Let us pray. Most loving God, we thank you already for this morning, the chance to praise you, to uh, give our tithes and offerings, to laugh together and to sing together. And we ask now that you speak to us. We thank you for your word, that you open our minds and our hearts, that we might apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, wow, what a story. There's a lot of intrigue in this story, and it kind of reminds me of growing up. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. I've probably said that before. And so, late 70s, early 1980s, I enjoyed watching the opening to the TV show Dallas, okay? Because I would sit, and I, and I was probably in middle school, high school at that time, and I would watch as the, the intro would come on, and I was kind of proud of all these different spots. They would show pictures of the skyline of Dallas and South Fork Ranch and all those things, and I had pride in my city. And then I, I loved, you know, because my family related so well with the Ewing family, you know, J.R. and Pamela, <laughs> Bobby, Sue, Bobby and Sue Ellen, you know, we were just like them. No, not really. Um, it was a classy show for us to discuss at church, right? But, you know, if you're, if you're too young to know the show Dallas, there's a newer version on TNT. So, kids, you can check that out. Maybe not. Don't check that out. All right. <laughs> But today's story is truly a story kind of like Dallas. A lot of intrigue, some deception, twists and turns, even sister wives, and characters who are more gray than black and white. And I think it, it's nice for us to have stories where there's good guys and there's bad guys, and they're easy to tell. But in life, and really in this story, we see that all the characters are mixed with good and bad, and they're flawed. And I think if we stop for a moment 
I think as Christians and as readers of the Bible, this is good news. First, it makes me feel a little bit better when I see my own life where I mess up. I'm like, look at those people in the Bible. They're messed up too, right? So I can relate to them. Second, it makes me see God in a new way. God can use ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things, and that makes me feel good too. And I can have confidence in the Bible that God's not pulling any punches, that God is showing us all the people, you know, with their warts and flaws, and it gives me even more trust that the Bible is real and trustworthy. Okay, well now for today's story. In order for the uh, children's Bible, and we've said this before, to cover the whole Bible in a short amount of time, really, and we're going to discuss it in about eight or nine months, you have to skip certain parts and hit the high points. So from last week's story, let's catch up for today. So last week we saw Abraham uh, did not eventually have to sacrifice his son Isaac. So Isaac lived as part of God's promise. He grew up, he married Rebekah uh, from part of his extended family to the north. And then Isaac and Rebekah have twin boys, Jacob and Esau. Now part of the intrigue of this story, the larger story, is that Jacob tricks his twin Esau into giving um, his blessing as the firstborn son. Now Abraham also, I mean, excuse me, Jacob also had to deceive his blind father, Isaac, with his mother, mother's help. He dressed up like Esau and even had his, his father touch his arm that it would feel like he was touching Esau's arm. And so his father gave him his blessing being deceived. Now this was a big deal because Isaac said Jacob, his son, would be Lord over his brothers and that nations would serve him. So to get that blessing was a huge deal. Soon we see Isaac sending his son Jacob back to the Haran area where he should find a wife from his mother's extended family. And he meets his uncle Laban. So that's where we begin today's story. Now Jacob and Laban are off to a good start when they meet, and then they start negotiating. And Laban wants Jacob to work for him, and he considers paying him wages. You know, should you work for me for nothing? No. But Jacob says, I'll work for you for seven years in exchange for your beautiful daughter's hand in marriage. That's what I'll, I'll work for. Now Jacob was patient, and seven years go by. But in verse 21, we see it seems there's a little bit of a shift. It appears that Jacob has had enough because he says something like this, my time is complete, give me my wife. That's pretty much how I asked Claire's dad to, to marry me. No, do that. that, that wouldn't work, so I, I wouldn't be married today. But here's where another plot twist happens. Laban throws a party for the marriage and everyone has a good time. Jacob goes into a tent with his new wife he spends the night, and lo and behold, the next morning, he wakes up to see that he married Leah, not Rachel. Well, two scholars uh, that I read this week say the Hebrew word for feast here in the Scripture suggests that it was more of a drinking banquet. And so Jacob probably, we can infer that Jacob probably drank too much. As it said in the video, the girls wore heavy veils at that time, and Jacob was tricked. Now, when Jacob protests, Laban says, well, it's our custom in our land, you know, not to give the younger daughter first in marriage, but the older daughter. So finish the week with Leah, and then you can marry Rachel, and, then you can, and for that, you can serve seven years for her. And then the Scripture says, and Jacob did so. 
So he just kind of gives in. He accepts it. Why is that? We might wonder that Jacob felt tricked and betrayed the way his brother Esau felt tricked and betrayed. In Laban, he has met someone like himself. Jacob, the deceiver, has been deceived, and what goes around comes around. It's all part of the drama. It's part of the larger story. And again, these characters are not just black and white. They're gray. They have their flaws, and we see their flaws. So let's take a look again at the key characters in this story. Jacob. Jacob is resourceful. He's patient and persistent. He works hard. And we see eventually as we look farther into Genesis, he becomes wealthy and successful through his hard work and his resourcefulness. But Jacob is also selfish and deceptive. And later, Jacob gets Laban back by breeding Laban's sheep in such a way to take most of them for himself. So Jacob is flawed as well. What about Laban? Well, he, he starts out being the good uncle, but we see that he's a deceiver too. He tricks Jacob into marrying Leah. But apparently he doesn't consider Leah's feelings in all this. He just puts her in with Jacob, leading to Jacob being angry and bitter. Laban gets his way, but no one in the story really likes it. So what about Leah? Perhaps Leah would have had a chance to be married to someone who loved her for, for just being her. But her life would be more difficult now with Jacob. Jacob wanted the other sister, the beautiful sister, and he was tricked into taking Leah. So Leah's feelings are left out. She tells us later, if we read ahead, that she feels unloved and that she was miserable. What about Rachel? Rachel seems to have it all going. She's the beautiful one, as we saw in the Jeopardy skit. She's the beautiful one. But later, if we read ahead just a little bit, she's bitter because Leah has children first, which was very important. In fact, Leah has four sons before Rachel ever gives birth. In fact, at one point, uh, Rachel says, give me children or I'll die. She was supposed to be married first, to have kids first, and she comes in second both times. So both sisters carry bitterness and jealousy in their marriage, even against their dad Laban for setting them up into this situation, and eventually their sons will carry that into their lives. Their sons show uh, jealousy and deception later in Genesis, but that's for another story next week. So no character in this story comes out unscathed. All are flawed. They're all mixed with good and bad. So where do we fit in this story? Well, I think all of us can have probably some Rachel moments and some Leah moments. Well, after college, I was working in Dallas, where I grew up, and I was working in an inner city school in Dallas, working with kids who were high school dropouts to help them get uh, their GEDs so they maybe could go to junior college and go to college, or for a lot of them, just to get a GED in order that they could get a job and maybe have a better life. Now, I didn't have training as a teacher, so I got to do a little bit of tutoring in the school, and I did some of the work on their computers there at that inner city school, and I enjoyed it for about two years, but I knew that it wasn't a long-term career for me. So at the same time, I was volunteering back at my home church, which I loved it, and I started exploring and praying about uh, going into ministry and, and started looking at seminaries, and finally I felt that God had called me to go into seminary. Now at that time, as a young guy in my early 20s, I was kind of more of a Leah. I was a nice guy, 
kind of quiet. I like to fly under the radar, not to draw a lot of attention to myself. But one of my coworkers there at that inner city school, he was more of a Rachel. He was gregarious. He was funny. He was popular amongst the staff and the students. But I wanted to tell him uh, one day and the other staff that I was going to seminary, that I'd be leaving soon. And so I did. And this gentleman laughed, and he laughed out loud in front of the other staff. And he said something like, Scott, if you're going to be a preacher, then you've got to be able to stand up and preach. And then he laughed some more. And I wanted to come back with a, you know, a snappy comeback, but I think I was kind of stung by his comments and by the laughter. So I kind of tried to kind of laugh along with everybody, but kind of, huh, yeah, that's really funny. But inside, <laughs> it wasn't funny to me. And, you know, we have those moments. And for me, that was one of those Leah moments. As you, if you were here early, we saw in the skit, what about me? Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes um, to do what God is calling me to do? That was one of those Leah moments for me. So where are your Leah moments? Where is God in this story? And then where is God in your story? Doing youth ministry for many years here at this church, um, I saw a lot of kids, I think, that could fit. We don't want to stereotype people, but could fit in some of these roles as Leah and Rachel might. Um, I saw kids who were a little quieter. They were good students. They enjoyed reading books. They might enjoy technology. They didn't really like the loud youth group games. They didn't maybe play the popular sports. Uh, And they didn't feel cool. But God thinks those kids are cool. And he loves them. And we, as their church family, are called to love them too. Then there's the Rachel kids confident and smiling. Uh, Maybe they're in show choir, the cheerleader or the quarterback of the football team, but people expect them to be smiling a lot. They expect them to be funny. They expect them to be popular. And so sometimes that's a hard standard for them to live up to. But underneath, most of those kids have their own issues and they got their own problems. And we're all sinners, so you know at some point they're dealing with sin. And God cares just as much about those Rachel kids, and he loves them right where they are. You know, as adults, we learn to cope uh, with being kind of the quiet one or the star. And sometimes we learn how to cover up our stress or our problems. We learn how to dress it up and make it nice and be okay. But under the surface, our problems and our sin is still with us, and we're all in need of God's love, like Jacob and Leah and Rachel, we need to know that God is with us and God loves us. And I want to tell you today, in this room, everyone in this room, that God is with you and God loves you where you are. Now, the good news, too, is that it doesn't end there. It doesn't stop there. Because even though life is not fair, life can be dramatic We also see in God's Word, and even in this story, in this extended story, that God can use all of us in His plans. Let's look back at those characters again. For Jacob, we looked a little bit ahead in Genesis. Jacob wrestles with God, and God changes his name to Israel. Jacob is sometimes a deceiver, but Jacob is also a hero in this family line because his family line becomes the nation of Israel. His 12 sons become the 12 tribes of the nation. 
for Rachel. She couldn't have children for a long time, but eventually she does, and she will be the father of Joseph, of Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat fame, who would save all his brothers and their families from famine, feeding them and finding homes for them in Egypt. And for Leah, who wasn't beautiful in the world's eyes, and she even says that she was unloved, God loved her and blessed her. Now, sons were very important in this culture nearly 4,000 years ago. And over time, Leah gives birth to six sons and one daughter. Now, her fourth son was Judah, who would eventually lead to the line of David, the great king of Israel, and from the line of David and the line of Judah would come Jesus, our Savior. That was part of Leah's legacy. But even when we look at David and Jesus they can relate to us too. David, the king, the great king of Israel, probably the greatest king of the nation of Israel, many, many centuries later, David had his flaws. He struggled in his marriage, and he struggled as a father. And here's somewhat, uh, some of what David prayed. He said this, "'For I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you, God, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight.'" Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God was desperate for God's love and God's forgiveness, and He shows us an example. When life is hard, when life is not fair, when we are struggling of how to go to God in prayer and ask for His help. Can Jesus relate to Leah? Well, we might say, well, Jesus was perfect. You know, He was fully human. He was fully divine. He was without sin. Jesus is God in the flesh when He walked on the earth, and yet Jesus could totally relate to Leah and relate to us because of the way that people treated Him. If we stay in the Old Testament as we are in Genesis, we can look to the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah, in the latter part of Isaiah, talks a lot about the suffering servant. And he looks to this suffering servant who would become the Messiah. And scholars would tell us today that this suffering servant would be Jesus. And he talks about this suffering servant in Isaiah 53. Let's look there for just a moment. Can Jesus relate to us? He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed." We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or sin of us all. So when we feel like Leah, unloved or ugly, we can relate to the one who descended from the line of Leah and Jacob, who was despised, rejected, familiar with pain, 
the suffering servant, Jesus, we can relate to him. When we are deceivers, or when we have been deceived like Laban and Jacob, Jesus is there for us. For we are all like sheep who have gone astray. And when we feel like Rachel, when the world thinks we are beautiful, but we have our own jealousy and pain lurking beneath the surface, we can know that Jesus surely took up our pain, he bore our suffering, and by his wounds we are healed. We saw in the video earlier the Jesus Storybook Bible, and this, this particular chapter ends like this. It's great. It's great to hear it again. God looked at Leah and saw a princess. One of Leah's children's children, children would be a prince, the prince of heaven, God's only son. The people wouldn't need to be beautiful for the prince to love them. He would love them with all his heart. And they would be beautiful because he loved them. Let us pray. Most loving God, we're so thankful that you, you do love us. Lord, it's touching to read your word from Genesis even to, into Isaiah and to realize your incredible love for us. Lord, help us to be like David, to pray passionately for you to love us. Lord, when we feel like Rachel or Leah or Jacob, God, you can relate to us. And when things don't make sense, when our lives look like soap operas, or when our lives look like jeopardy. God, show us the way to go. Help us to turn to you. Help us to claim again the truth that by your wounds we are healed, and help us to give our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. So in celebrating that by his wounds we are healed, let's stand and sing again.